Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from him of whom you have just sung. His grace showered upon his life, his mercy bestowed, his peace above all else. Week five, as you listen to a message, as you study in your small groups, as you study privately or individually this series. I sit and wonder why he waited to week five to bring forth the obvious. We've talked about the case for Christ, the authenticity of the Scripture. Talked about the case for Christ, the, the evidence of the resurrection. Why does he wait to the fifth week to say, you have to know him, Not head knowledge, but heart knowledge. You have to know him if you are going to make a case for him. And if you do not know him, no case can be made. Not head knowledge, but heart knowledge. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even those who believe in his name. You have to know him. In the Old Testament, King James Version, when it says Adam knew Eve, it's talking about knowing her in an intimate sense. Same thought is here. To know God. To breathe Him as you breathe in the air. To drink in the living water mentioned in John 4. To know Him. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to Timothy. He said, Of this great gospel I was appointed a herald, one who spoke forth the word. I was appointed an apostle, one who just didn't speak the word, but he lived the word. And I was appointed a teacher, a herald, an apostle, and a teacher. That is why I am suffering in prison as I am. Yet I'm not ashamed, I'm not afraid, I'm not having second thoughts. Here it is, because I know. Adam knew Eve, because I know God, the one who I have believed. I know him. Just don't know facts about him, I know him. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard my soul, which I have entrusted to him. For that day when I stand before him, I know whom I have believed. I preached portions of this message a few months ago. It is just too apropos for this week's lesson to pass it by. I know whom I have believed. The most daring thing a devout man or woman can say is, I know God. They're not saying, I think or I hope, or I trust, or I venture. They are saying, I know God. When couples get married, I say to them at the end of the message, you might not know why you're getting married today, except I love him, or I love her. You might not know why you're getting married today, but the time will come. Maybe months from now, or years from now, or decades from now, The time will come. And if God has brought some special friend into your life, 
There will come a time in your friendship that you will sit and say, I know why God brought this individual into my life. There will be some occasion of joy that is so rapturous that you will literally say, I can't imagine going through this joy without this person being by my side. But on a heavier theme, there will come a time when there is a storm so severe in your life that you will sit and say, I can't imagine going through this storm without him or her by my side. Some friend or your spouse can imagine going through this. And then you'll understand why God brought that person into your life so many years earlier. That's what we mean when we talk about knowing God and His Son, Jesus. I can't imagine this joy coming into my life and thinking, as I always did, that this was good fortune or fate turning in my direction. What joy there is when a joy comes into your life and your first thought is, this is God's fingerprints. But how is it when a storm comes into your life and for a moment or two you are so taken by the storm that that's where your focus is. But like the sun coming through the clouds this morning, all of a sudden God's Spirit comes And he says to you, not the storm, him. Not the storm, him. And all of a sudden, the sun comes shining forth. And you know why he is in your life. When the storms come, did he not say it to the disciple, John 16, 33? In this world, storms will come, but take heart, I, Jesus have overcome the storm. There was a vicar here some uh, 15 years ago. Stood in this pulpit. There was something major going on in his life. Hence I realized why the words came out of his mouth. The vicar said on that day, he said, you hear God's word, you hear it and you hear it and you hear it and you hear it. You sit in the pew Year after year, decade after decade, and you hear it and you hear it and you hear it. But there comes a time when you hear it. When it goes from factual knowledge straight down to the heart. And I knew what that young man was going through. I knew what his family was going through. I knew exactly what he was saying. You hear and you hear and you hear and you hear. And all of a sudden something happens in your life. And you hear it and you see it as if for the first time. You are blind. You're no longer blind. The light has come. The most daring thing a human being can say is, I know God. You go to the art museum, there is an individual standing in front of a picture. You see him standing there staring at this picture. You pass by, you take a look at the picture. Within 10 or 15 seconds, you're on to other pictures. You come walking back through a half hour later, he or she is still standing there. And tears are coming down their face. 
what's going on. They see something you do not see. They love art so much that it's in their hearts. They see something you don't see. I don't go to the symphony very often. It's been many, many years. Last time I went there, there was a lady sitting next to me. And throughout most of that concert, she was sobbing. When it first happened, I'm sitting there saying, what's going on here? Who I have sitting next to me? But as the concert went on, I realized that she was hearing things as a lover of music that I would never hear if I lived a thousand years on this earth. But she heard the notes, and it evoked something in her heart. You see something in nature, Grand Canyon, uh, Yellowstone, Great Smokies. You see a flower there in the botanical garden. Someone is looking at it. They too are weeping. They see something in nature that perhaps you don't see. They feel something perhaps that you don't feel. This is what Paul is talking about when he says, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that the soul I have given to him, he will guard for that day. Jesus did him one better. He said, if you know me, John 10, 10, you will have abundant life on this earth. The music you hear in life, the beauty you see in life, that which life presents, if you know me, I will be connected with all of it. And you'll see me in it. I know the dangers of praying, Lord, may there never be a moment they do not feel your presence, peace, and strength. I know the danger of that word. So now I pray, Lord, may there never be a moment for my grandchildren, or you guys, or my wife, or my son, or my daughter-in-law, or my siblings. May there never be a moment they do not realize your presence your peace, and your strength. I know whom I have believed. Staggering claim. Immediate acquaintance with the King of kings and Lord of lords. Christianity is not an opinion about God. It's not a series of CDC classes, not a series of confirmation classes. Christianity is a relationship with God like the lover of art or the lover of music or the lover of nature. Job, 400 years before Jesus is born. Job 19.25, I know that my Redeemer lives. And though after skin worms destroy this body and in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see with my own eyes and not another. Simon Peter, 1 Peter 1.8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. 
Though you do not see him now, yet you believe in him and are filled with unspeakable joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. Two plus two equals four. You drop an apple, it's going to fall to the ground, gravity. Do you know him? I chose a woman at Sychar as well for the gospel. Why? Because she comes to him. Doesn't send her through a series of classes. Just talks with her. Half hour, hour, two hours. And by the time he's through talking with her, injected into her veins is living water. And all of a sudden she, who had no appreciation of music, or she who had no appreciation of art, or she who had no appreciation of nature, all of a sudden she's filled with living water to the extent that she runs into Sychar's village, knocks on one door after another, does not say to them, come and look at this picture in the art museum, does not say to them, come and look at the beauty of the desert, doesn't say to them, come and listen to this music, says to them, Come and see the Messiah. I know him. They ask him to stay for two days. He does. And when the visit is over, they say to the woman, You presented your case for Christ and brought us to him. Now we believe in him because we know him. Not because of your words but because the Spirit of God has brought him into our hearts. Self-deception, knowing God. Self-deception. You're driving out there, out west, you're going down the interstate, and all of a sudden your kids or your grandkids are saying, there's, a, there's water across the road. You say, it's mirage. They say, no, 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 you have to slow down, man. There's water across the road. And then you get there, it's mirage. Is that what Jesus is? There was a boy born in 1805. His name was Jacob Colburn. He was a calculating child. He could do math and, and addition, subtraction, multiplication, division instantly. A group of scientists ask him, how many minutes are there in uh, 48 days? As soon as they finished the question, he had the answer. No computers back then, so they get out their pens and paper and start trying to figure out if he gave the correct answer. And as soon as they get out their pens, he says, and then uh, here's how many seconds there are. Rare child. Is it rare for an individual to say, I know God? Let me throw this at you. Almost done. These people lived hundreds of years from each other. These people were of different races. They grew up in different countries on planet Earth. And they grew up in different ecclesiastical communities. Pascal was a famous Roman Catholic. He said only Jesus. 
I know him. Pennington was a Quaker. He said, only Jesus. I know him. John Fletcher was a Methodist. He said, only Jesus. I know him. John Bunyan was an independent. Spurgeon was a Baptist. Luther was a Protestant. Keeble was an Anglican. And all of their testimonies, though they live in different places, hundreds of years apart, though they grew up in different ecclesiastical communities, their witness is the same. I know Jesus. Not a handful of strange people. Them. This summer I went to Parkview at 3 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. Josh and Rachel, grandkids, were coming. That particular day they were running late, and as I was sitting in the lobby, there was a man sitting all by himself. He had a patch over his eye. He looked like he was 60, 70 years of age, but I figured he was probably only in his late 40s. And waiting for the grandkids, I went over and sat next to him. And I said, how long have you been coming to Parkview? He said, about five years now. And then without me asking any more questions, he said, my life was entirely wasted. My eye gone through a fight in the bar. Many times in prison. I probably look like I'm 70 or 80, but I'm only 49. He said, I had nothing left in life. No family, I had done enough bad to send them all far, far away. I had nothing left in life. I had already written the notes explaining why it was going to come to an end. And then my next-door neighbor knocked on the door in the middle of the notes. And he said, shame on me. I should have invited you years ago to come with me. And they went. And that's where they've been going ever since. And out of his mouth came these words. I know Jesus. I know his power to save. I know his love extended. And I know his wisdom. I had told him my name. He had told me his. He said, Paul, it wasn't, a, it wasn't fate that that man knocked on my door in the middle of this note. I know it was Jesus. Closing word. William Shakespeare, greatest literary genius of all time, wrote in his will, I commend my soul into the hands of God, believing beyond doubt that the merits of Jesus Christ will be my salvation. Lord Byron, the great English poet, if ever man was God or God was man, Jesus was both. James Greenleaf Whittier, great poet, my ground of hope for myself 
and for all of humanity. It is the life, the teaching, the sacrifice of Jesus, with whom I am nothing, without whom I am nothing, but with whom I am everything. Charles Dickens, I commit my soul to the mercy of God, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever beauty is on this earth, it has come from Jesus. And perhaps one of the most significant, Leo Tolstoy, the great genius of Russia, an atheist of the wildest sort. For 35 years of my life, I was a nihilist, a man who believed in nothing. But five years ago, my faith came to me as I was walking down the sidewalk. I know Jesus now. And that is everything. The fifth week, the case for Christ. If you don't know him, there is no case you can deliver. If you know him, it comes flowing forth like streams of living water. The Bible, if you say, Pastor, I don't read the Bible very well, then for Pete's sake, get a devotion book. There are hundreds of brilliant ones that are based on scriptures in the Bible. The Bible, devotions, meditation, prayer, 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 worship. Not a sidelight if you have nothing else to do on the weekend, worship. Did you learn something about God this hour that you would not have known if you had stayed home or done something else? Did you learn something about him? I know him. In our Savior's name, amen. Would you rise as we pray? You said to Nicodemus, unless a man is born again of water and the Spirit, he cannot know Jesus, he cannot enter the kingdom. But if the Holy Spirit comes and Zacchaeus can be changed and the thief on the cross can be changed, and the disciples spoken about a couple of weeks ago can go from cowards to the great uh, courageous manifestations of the gospel of Christ. Lord, continue to bless this series, but heaven forbid I put the emphasis on a book by Lee Strobel. Bless us, Lord, to know you better, to understand you better, to live and breathe you more fully for the abundant life that you give us, the courage that you allow us to proclaim and there's salvation eternally that shall be ours. Such things we ask in our Lord's name. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.